The sermon tonight comes from Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 33. Please join me there. How much work you've come tonight intending to do. It can be as if you are simply in a passive role right now. But it's actually described to us as we just saw in Ephesians that we are to be laboring to understand what is pleasing to the Lord. That's a strange work to have to do. Consider your interactions with other people. I've been learning and understanding recently that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That actually gives us opportunity to listen to people's hearts. And we learn quite a bit. If we're calm, if we listen, if we're quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, that we can actually be in a place where we're learning and understanding people's hearts in order to care for them, to bless them, in order to build them up. As we consider that we have come here now to hear the Lord, for Him specifically to speak to us, as you are created in the image of God and from the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Consider that also. The scripture is the heart of the Lord. It is his speech towards you that you will hear him and understand him and learn what pleases him. And that gives us all opportunities to make adjustments in our lives. We were created for the purpose of glorifying him and enjoying him. We have these interactions given to us that we have this blessing and this opportunity to hear him, to bless him, to make adjustments in our lives, to walk in accordance with love for him and love for one another. So prepare your hearts now to hear the heart of the Lord, for him to speak to you, that you will know his heart better, and that we can each be making adjustments in order to please him and to be more like Christ. Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak 
they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Pray with me. Our Father, please bring us to that careful spot where we sit at the feet of Jesus, where we listen carefully to know the truth. Our God, may our hearts be being adjusted, that we will live in accordance with true love for you, true love for one another, that we will operate by faith and not by assumption, but that we will operate by assurance of the things that you have said and understand that we can please you as we make adjustments in our lives, as we would love you, and as we would follow you. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. With what is God concerned? Where does he place the most emphasis for us, for you, for the church? It's described to us that God looks at the outward appearance. A man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We read throughout the Proverbs that God judges the heart. He is actively watching. He is deeply concerned. We understand also that he is deeply concerned with the church. He calls it his bride for whom he laid down his life. God is concerned about growing your heart, refining your heart, making your heart more and more beautiful, growing the church, refining the church, building the church up, making the church more and more beautiful. There is a work that we are each being given to do, that careful work in our hearts where we're being careful to understand what the will of the Lord is. And it is a great work that we are given to do. There is so much that we want to look at and understand and study in the world. Much of it is aimless distraction. Much of it is things that would just take us off course. But he actually tells us that we get to come to him and listen to his voice, that is to listen to his heart, to understand him, to know what is good and true and beautiful, to make real adjustments in our lives, real adjustments in our character. And in that place, and from that place, we get to even build up the church. To build up his bride, as we saw in Ephesians, that we each have things to supply to the church that she will be being built up into the full measure, to full maturity, to the image of Christ. This is an amazing work that we get to do. All these other things, we think of housework, and we can lament for people that have housework to do, as it's described as making a beaded necklace with no knot on the end of the string. It's just this 
putting on and things falling off continuously, no progress. But building the church up is an actual eternal work. In some fashion, we will see the eternal beauty that is being accomplished. We will see people that we have loved and cared for in their refinement, in the glory of God. We get to do these things, and Christ is grateful. He loves it when we care for his bride. It is a blessing to him, and we can be blessed as we do it. Now, as we looked at the connection, and we will see it again for grieving the heart of God and as opposed to operating in the, the fear of Christ, we have this careful work to build up Christ's bride, even in the fear of Christ. Our first step is the heart gives and it receives. I've had this struggle and this dilemma trying to understand the heart. But the truth is, things don't just flow out of it. Things flow into it. There's a work that's done and the heart can be tainted or the heart can be blessed and it can be being refined. In verse 35, the good man brings out, the good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. I've described before the idea of your heart being like a sponge and you can pick it up out of the bucket, whatever it's been soaking in, and things run out of it, whatever it's been soaking in, and you can give it a squeeze and some more comes out. And when things get even worse, there's a real squeeze. Think of what it looks like when you've been washing a car and you've been scrubbing the hubcaps and scrubbing the wheels and this darkness comes out. And we think, where did that come from? What is that? When we deal with our darkest sins and we say, where did that come from? What is that? Well, the good treasure, that is the things that we are storing up. And it can't be. It isn't just a matter of memorizing scripture, but it's being careful to understand what the will of the Lord is and the things that we are doing. Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. That watching over your heart, I used to only think of that or primarily thought of that in a, a defensive posture. You're watching over it to keep things from getting to it and hitting it. But it's telling us something else here as well. For from it flow the wellsprings of life. You're watching and you're seeing what is flowing out of your heart as well. To see what is in us, what we are like, what our treasure is, what we are loving. This idea of our heart being tainted or changed by what goes into it. Proverbs 18, first verse 8. The words of a whisper are like, dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. I used to read that and think, yeah, I got to stay away from the cookie table at fellowship meals. I, I've learned that I can actually speak in a regular voice in a crowded room, and nobody hears me except the person I'm talking to. But if I whisper, 
everybody around turns their attention to hear the whisper because a, a whisper goes down like a sweet dainty into the inner parts of the heart. These things that are going down into the innermost parts of the body are going into our heart and they're doing something. They can either be healing and building up or they are corrupting and distorting and twisting. A carefulness with what comes in. Listen to that verse in its context now. A fool's lips bring strife and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of the soul. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. And then we see there's an active work for us to be doing with our mouths. He also who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. That there can be an active, is to be an active speech in the building up of one another. The heart gives, overflows, and the heart receives. Our next step, number two, is guard against sinful jabs. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. I was surprised in my study of Ephesians 5, 4, and there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. I looked at that before, and I thought the filthiness and the coarse jesting would be potty humor, telling bathroom jokes. It's an obvious application as we think about it. But the coarse jesting is more specifically people who have carefully refined their humor to stab other people. A wit that's coming against other people. I had described before that I had developed a, a tactic or an ability to say things that were just off enough to make people go, oh, but not bad enough for anybody to bring charges against me. And I thought that was great. I enjoyed that very much. But that's wrong. As I talked about physical confrontations that I had in high school, uh, another young man had described to me, he said, we fought each other in high school too, but ours was with jabs to cut each other down. We refined our ability to do that. I've seen other people who are able to make jokes at one another, at other people's expense. And if they had the courage or the transparency to say, oh, I didn't like that, or someone was to say, that wasn't nice, they would say, well, I was just kidding. It's not right. That's actually the coarse jesting that's being referred to here. As we consider specifically, this is Ephesians 5.4. If we move back to the end of Ephesians 4, that's where it said, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. That's building people up. We are in the place and in the business of building other people up rather than tearing them 
down, especially as we're dealing with the body or the bride of Christ. Do you want to be in the position where you're making fun of Jesus' bride? Who wants to find themselves there? That's why we ended up and we came to that verse about this being about the fear of God and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That he overlooks, he sees, he is actively watching. There is a place that we are to be in and that place that we are to be in in our conversation isn't to be about putting other people down. And as I had described before, when you're rescuing somebody swimming, it's a real danger because everybody who is in, is in a panic mode is trying to push other people down to hold themselves up. Well, maybe you find yourself in a panic mode if you feel like you need to push other people down. Maybe you're not knowing your worth your value in Christ Jesus if you have to push other people down to have any sense of significance in your life. You're to be guarding your mouth, guarding your steps. So our next step is listen to people's hearts. James 1.19 This you know, my beloved, beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This quick to hear puts you in a position to listen to other people's hearts. This is an amazing gift. An amazing gift to actually be able to connect with people and to hear where their hearts are. And if someone has the humility and the courage to speak to you about their feelings and their lives, you are blessed among men. You are in a wonderful place to listen to people share their hearts. Matthew 12, 34, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. We will find people who are oppressed, who are put down. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But you and I are put into the position, the rest of that verse is, but a good word makes it glad. If you are in the position where you think you just have to be known, you have to speak, you have more to supply than anyone else. If everyone else would just shut up, they would glean from your wisdom. Stop talking and listen to the people around you. Proverbs 10, 19, when there is an abundance of words, transgression is unavoidable. Yap, 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 yap. You're going to run out of good things to say if you don't stop talking. Quick to hear, slow to speak, is the blessing of being careful and seeking to, seeking to know what pleases the Lord. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our next step, number four, is we're seeking to know those things that please the Lord is consider the moment. 
it is to ask yourself the question, is this the best time to say what I think I need to say? Mrs. Ramsey and I years ago learned to ask the question, would this be an okay time to discuss something heavy? And oftentimes the answer is no. It certainly is not. Proverbs 25, 11, like apples of gold and settings of fine, fine silver is a word timely spoken. Another way to translate that is spoken in right circumstances. Ephesians 5, 1 through 6, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality, now think of the category of sin that we're dealing with here. But immorality, that's pornea, but immorality or any impurity or greed Consider how we think of immorality or impurity or greed. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now, in this category, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks for this you know with certainty that no immoral or, or impure person or a covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Consider the carefulness that that's calling for in our speech, what we are saying to each other when we are saying it. The Ephesians passage, when we um, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, when? According to the need of the moment. We really can't just say whatever comes into our minds. That's a really bad idea. And we see here now that it's unbiblical as well that we are to be careful in our obedience, careful in our love, careful as we consider we are handling each other's hearts, members of Christ's bride, for whom he laid down his life. Our next step, these are each points for us to be working on together. Number five is consider the souls present. I put it that way intentionally, the souls that are present. It used to be there were 273 people that lived in the community of Eastvale. And I knew that, and I had talked to, I think, just about every one of them, and I had invited at least all the adults, if not the adults and teenagers, to come to church. And when someone asked me one day, almost without thinking about it, how many people live in Eastvale, I said, 273 souls. 
And as the words came off my tongue, I realized the weight of what I was saying. The weight of knowing souls. The weight of interacting with souls. As you speak, you are dealing with people's hearts. You are dealing with their souls. There is a place that we are to be being careful, even guarding our hearts, for from the heart flows the wellspring of life. You speak into people. When you speak, there is to be a carefulness about that. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, building people up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Those who hear. I was really troubled at one of our, um, it was an event that I was at. And it was an event for a reformed organization and someone got up speaking at this and I had brought people that weren't reformed and they made an obnoxious reformed joke that I was so troubled by. The speaker wasn't carefully considering those who hear. I am urging you, as I urge myself, think before you talk. Think who is there. Think about the condition of their soul their minds, their heart. Think and understand that you are responsible for what you say, that there was no careless word that will be spoken that will not be judged. We, you and I, we have the opportunity to speak into people's souls and care for them and bless them and to build them up. We are to show love in all things. We are to speak the truth in love. Consider the description of love. As I remind you, love is directional. We don't just love and it just oozes out all around us, but we are specifically to love God, specifically to love our neighbor, and that will look different with different people, and it will sound different with different people. There will be things we will say to some people and we will not say to others. If we're to speak the truth in love and understand love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Think of that as verbally hitting back at that point does not rejoice in unrighteousness and think how we would laugh at our own jokes that are at other people's expense. That is specifically rejoicing in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and we know it endures. So we are in a place to build up you can actually heal people's hearts with the words that you say. You can give people good. You can give back a blessing 
rather than an insult, a blessing rather than a curse. But there has to be a carefulness. There has to be thought, wisdom, and understanding, a prudence that's operating with an eye towards the future, to speak to people with a true love. Our next step is speak in the fear of Christ. Consider what Jesus is saying here now. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. I think we'll all shoot for the good. For the tree is known by its fruit. You're going to be known by what you say and how you build people up. Especially now that the whole church has heard this. Hopefully now we're all going to be considering our hearts. Hopefully now we'll be doing the good work of holding each other accountable for the things that we say. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Consider the principle to he whom much has been given, much will be required. What have you been given? The actual words of life. The sword of the spirit, the heart and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. He has given it to us that we would build each other up. Now, back to Ephesians 4.30. Again, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. As I've done my study on heart and looking at each place where it's announced or used in Scripture. Genesis 6, 5 through 6, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is a place for us to do an examination. Listen to the sound, the plucks of the cords of your heart. Are they grace? Are they mercy? Are they for building people up? Are they for truth? When God saw that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, the Lord was sorry. Consider the language again. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth. It really changes that whole feel of don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It really brings into focus Jesus saying from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and he will be judged by every careless word that he has said. This blotting out, this is a problem. It is a place of fear. 
Remember, we have talked before that when you mess with Jesus' wife, you mess with him. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. That making melody with the heart is literally, in the, in the Greek, plucking the cords of the heart. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the treasure that you have collected, from that treasure you speak. We are to be speaking to one another in the spiritual, that is the spirit-supplied psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Christ Jesus, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I believe in the Old Testament. As far as I know, I've always believed in the Old Testament. And yet, sometimes I'm surprised by the connections that I see in this example between the flood narrative in the words that we are given in Ephesians 4 and 5. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve God. Previously, when God looked and saw the condition of man's heart, he was grieved and he blotted out man from the face of the earth. And we are brought to this place in Ephesians with the same language, with the same picture, that we are to be caring for one another speaking to one another, letting no unwholesome word proceed from our mouth, being in that place where we understand that people who occupy this category will not inherit the kingdom of God. A warning for us, and Jesus himself speaking there in Matthew 12, that we will be judged by every careless word that we speak. Be careful. Use wisdom. Listen to people's hearts. Speak truth in love. Don't be the fool that speaks like the thrust of the sword, but be the one who brings healing for people's hearts. To build up individuals, to build up the church in love as we operate together and the fear of Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, I can't imagine that any of us here could scoff at this word. That any of us here could say, I am not guilty. Our Father, you speak your word, you speak the truth, you speak warning to us, you clearly display to us how one is to operate within your household, that is, within your church. Our God, please show us. Show us our sin. Show us where we are guilty of tearing other people down. Help us to see our own coarse jesting, to see our own filthy talk. Our God, please bless us with wisdom. 
please bless us with humility as we will be spurring one another on in love and in good deeds. Please give us humble hearts in order to be corrected that we will adjust our steps in accordance with wisdom and in accordance with love. Our God, please be refining us as individuals. Please be refining us as families as we love one another. Please be refining us as a church as we love one another, as we love you. Our Father, please be glorified as we bless you and love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.